Well, welcome to Kairos. It is so good to see you here tonight. And if you're new, we're just glad that you came. My name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here at Kairos. And I just want to tell you, I'm so fired up after watching that video. Um, every single one of those people are people who've become very precious to me over the last year since I've been here. When I first came, I just had a vision that it would be incredible for us to go do a mission trip together. And that mission trip is the very first mission trip Kairos has taken in the last five years, which is awesome. And so um, my hope is that in the future, we'll be able to take more trips like that uh, on a regular basis. In fact, we're going back to Greece this summer. And uh, if your heart was connecting with that, I'd love for you to go on that trip with us because it's gonna change your life. What I find about mission trips is that they don't just change the people that we go see, they change us. Like our heart becomes more fired up for Jesus. Jesus becomes more real and the Bible becomes alive in really key ways. And so if that's you, if you're interested at all, please come talk to us afterwards. We'd love to get your name, get you in the loop, put you on a list so we can like follow up with you. Because if you get a chance to go on a trip like that, it will really change the perspective that you have on what really matters. So um, if that's you, again, hit us up. Now, if you got a copy of the scriptures, why don't you turn with me to Daniel chapter one. Daniel chapter one, book of Daniel's in the Old Testament. It's right in the uh, middle of your Bible. So if you open it up, you'll probably find the book of Daniel. And last week we kicked off a series on Daniel's life. And the reason we're talking about this series and the reason we're talking about Daniel is because he gives us a blueprint on how to live our life as Americans. Daniel lived in a time that he lost everything. And his life was filled with drama. In fact, I think that the story of Daniel is filled with more drama than any other story in the entire Bible, okay? Like, it wasn't that he was a drama queen, just that drama followed him. And I don't know about you, I hate drama, right? I mean, I like watching it on TV, right? That's why we watch, you know, The Bachelor or Bachelorette. We just like wanna see the train wreck, right? We're like, as bad as it gets, we're in for that, right? We like to see drama, we don't like to do drama. And if there's something I know about all of us is that most of us in this room, we want to avoid any kind of conflict or drama at all. Like, like we saw somebody at one point go through something dramatic. We saw them have conflict at work or at school or in a relationship. Maybe they stood up for their faith in some way or maybe they, they said something to their boss and they had a ton of stuff come down on them. And we're like, man, that's never going to happen to me. I'm just going to kind of make sure that I'm a drama-free zone. Uh, and so I kind of like went and did some, uh, some demographic studies this week, just trying to figure out like why we're like this. What I found uh, after I did a little bit of studying is that only 10% of us like conflict. Like 10% of the United States population likes conflict. So like in this room, there's just a handful of us. And those people, if you know your Enneagram, are all Enneagram eights, okay? You're the only people that like drama. Everybody else is like, listen, I, I don't want any part of that. Any of your mates, you're like, let's, let's get down to business. Let's talk about it. We're ready. Like, we're ready to go. And the reason for that is because they'd rather deal with it than not deal with it because they can't go through life without having things in order, okay? And for many of us, we go through our life simply trying to get along and just not stand out. And yet, deep within us, if we're really following Jesus, we're going to find that we're just going to be different because we follow a different leader. We follow a different set of rules, and last week, we talked about Daniel's life because Daniel left his hometown. He was stolen from his people and he lost everything. He lost his identity as a Jewish man. 
When the Babylonian king came and conquered Jerusalem, he took Daniel and his three friends and brought them back to Babylon. And he took from them their names. He changed their names. He took from them their identity as men because they became eunuchs. They couldn't become fathers or husbands or boyfriends or girlfriends with anybody. They, they just lost all of that. They lost their language. They lost their dietary restrictions. They lost everything. And yet in the middle of that, Daniel said, I'm going to make a decision that's going to affect every other decision that I make. I'm going to choose to hold on to my heritage as God's son. And I'm not going to be like everybody else. So we're going to pick up our story where we left off last week in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to read you the text. We're going to unpack it. And we're going to learn how to walk through drama. Because if you're going to follow Jesus, at some point, you're going to be different than the people that you're going to school with, or the people that you're living with, the people that you're, you're working with. You're going to make some choices that will affect your life in serious ways. And the cool thing about the book of Daniel is that it gives us a blueprint on how to do it well. Did you know this about Daniel? The book of Daniel is considered a dangerous book by people who are in oppressive regimes. It's a banned book in some places. In America, when we had slavery, slave owners took it out of the Bible because they didn't want slaves to have a blueprint on how to speak up against injustice. It was completely redacted. In fact, you can go to Washington, D.C. today and look at some of the slave Bibles in the Museum of the Bible, and you'll find that the book of Daniel is completely missing. Why? Because it gives us an idea on how to live in a culture that no longer follows Jesus to uh, whatever he wants us to live out. And as a culture, we're in a cultural moment where our city and our country is continuing to become more and more unchristian. You know, 50 years ago... Um, if you were a Christian, it was like you're part of the home team. Like it was kind of like your badge of admittance into culture. But today, sometimes when you say you're a Christian, people look at you funny. They may say, hey, listen, I don't know if you, you, you're a bigot or if you're somebody who, who isn't with the rest of us. And sometimes as Christians in our universities or in our public schools, we may feel really different than people around us simply because we want to follow Jesus. And so tonight, let's read this story out of the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other men your age? He would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the king eunuch, chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and wine. They were to drink and gave them vegetables. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding of every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. And at the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them. 
And among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, our story starts with this decision that Daniel makes. He says, I don't want to eat the food that the king has given us. And we saw this last week. But for those of you guys who weren't there, let me unpack what that meant. Daniel was given a specific kind of food. It was the best food that you could buy. It was the king's own food. And it was an incredible honor that he was given by the king to eat like the king. But there was a catch. The catch is this. If you eat the king's food, then you will be somebody who's underneath the authority of the king and you're somebody who's claiming allegiance to him. Furthermore, Daniel, as a Jew, couldn't eat some of the things that were served. Some of the things were served to idols. Others were things that were unclean that God said, hey, my people can't eat these because you need to be different than everybody else. And so Daniel was faced with a difficult choice. Like I said earlier, he lost everything. He lost his manhood. He lost his family. He lost his hometown. He lost his language. People changed his name. And yet he chose to make a decision about what really mattered. And he said, I'm going to fear God and I'm not going to fear the people around me. And I'm going to trust God with this moment. But the way that he goes about this is important because we can have all the right intentions and do things wrong. Like we can be like, hey, revolution, right? Let's overthrow the oppressors. Like that's mostly our posture when we see something that we don't agree with, right? Like let's, let's burn it all down. There's something good uh, about that. Like we feel like really, really, like that's the only path when we see injustice. And yet Daniel takes a more modest stance, a more calculated stance to bring about change. At one point, he is faced with not going along with what everybody else is doing. And he says, listen, you guys can do whatever you want to me. And that happens later. We'll get into that at another point where he says, listen, I'm not going to go along with everybody else. It doesn't matter what you do. But here, he does something that's very wise. He challenges the problem instead of the person. He challenges the problem instead of the person. You see, Sometimes when people say no to us, it's not because they have malice in their heart and don't want to help us out. Sometimes people say no simply because they're afraid. And that's what the eunuch says to Daniel. He says, listen, I would be okay with you not eating the king's food, but I'm afraid about what the king will do to me. See, many of the people that we come in contact with are not bad people. They're good people. We know that. But they're afraid of being different. And when someone challenges the moment or speaks truth to power, they're afraid about what will happen to them. And it's okay for them to feel afraid. But there's a better path forward. And Daniel does not challenge the eunuch. He doesn't say, you're oppressing me. Instead, he says, could we try something different? Could we see about a different way of going about this? And the way he does this is he invites them on the journey. So Daniel then goes to the guard who's over him and he says, hey, let's try a test. Let's test this out. Why don't we, instead of going you know, with the plan where we eat the king's food, why don't we just try out our plan for 10 days and only eat vegetables and water? 
And let's see if God will do something here. And this is something I want us to drill down on tonight because when we give people opportunities to see what God can do, God moves powerfully. And often we miss God's hand because we never take a risk and show other people where we're struggling and invite them into our journey with us. And Daniel says, listen, how about we just try it? How about if we just try God's way for 10 days? And at the end of the 10 days, you'll see whether or not God is real or not. And this is what I want you to hear tonight. God may have you in a position to have influence with other people and you can invite them into your journey and it will give them a test drive into what the gospel really is all about. That's how salvation really happens with most people. We test drive what somebody else is already doing. And our culture is actually better at this than us. So the other day I uh, was looking for a new weather app. I don't know if anybody has a favorite weather app in the room. Uh, I was using one called Dark Sky and then I found out that Apple stole it, okay? And I was very angry about it because I was finally happy with a weather app. I was like, yes, Dark Sky is like the, the jam and I'd use it all the time. I deleted you know, Apple weather off my phone and then I realized like, oh, I gotta go back to Apple weather. And I was really like bummed out for a little while and I know that you're not like this at all, but like when you find a good app, like it's just like hard to let go sometimes, okay? <laughs> See somebody right now feeling me, okay? <laughs> David over here has got his phone up, right? So I was like, I was mourning for about two weeks and then out of nowhere, I was like, well, let's just see if there's another app. So I like opened my app store on my phone and I found one that said carrot and I clicked on it and it said, would you like to try me for an entire week? And I said, why not? So I clicked on it, realizing that at the end of the week, which is today, <laughs> they're gonna charge me $10 for the rest of the year if I like it. But there's a genius to this marketing plan. They're like, listen, we believe in our product so much that we'll give it away to you for free. You can test drive this sucker. And if you like it, then you will pay us $10 and you are with us for the long haul, okay? Because they know that if you subscribe, there's a high chance you're never gonna actually go into the settings and ever turn it off, right? Because they'll have you forever. And so all week I've been testing out Carrot. I'm like, is it good? Um, and, and by Carrot, by the way, it actually talks trash to you. If you're interested in a good app, like, it, like you can put the setting, I put like the snarkiest setting and it actually like says things to you that an app should never say. It's kind of creepy, but it, it kind of just gets after you. And I was like, I'm actually like really digging this app. And so tonight I decided I'm gonna keep it. Why? Because I test drove it and I loved it. And here's the deal. Your friends and your community and the people you interact with do not read their Bibles, but they do read you. They don't read their Bibles, but they do read you. And the, the, the sad thing is many of them have never seen anybody ever really live out their faith in an authentic way. They've been reading you and they see a difference between what Jesus said and then the way that you're living your life. And I'm not coming down on you. Listen, because like, I'm a mess on my best day. But what if, what if we made space for people that we know and we love to actually walk closely enough with us that they can try out Jesus because we're living so radically. That our experience becomes contagious to theirs. You know, I, I remember a story. Um, this is actually one of our family stories. My sister, um, her name is Jenny. And Jenny uh, moved 
to Columbia, where our family is from, uh, because she had graduated from college and was trying to figure things out. She was single, and uh, she was like, man, I, I don't really know what I'm going to do, so I'm just going to move home with mom and dad. And when she went to Columbia, she met a guy named Jorge. And Jorge uh, was not a Christian, grew up in a religious family, but was like really following a different path. And Jorge asked my sister on a date. My sister said yes, so they went uh, on a date. And he um, was asking her about her faith and was so struck by her conviction because in the middle of the date, she walked out. She's like, I can't get with this. Like this, this, this thing that we're at, is just like over the line, I can't walk this path. And he chased her out going, why do you believe what you believe? And he asked her out again. She said, no, I'm not gonna date you because you're not a follower of Jesus. But he was so intrigued by her commitment to Jesus that he just stuck around. Like he just started showing up. Like he was like the guy who like downloaded a carrot on his, on his phone. He started coming to church, started connecting with people. And then one day he gave his life to Jesus. And uh, fast forward about a year later, they started dating and ended up getting married. And that's my brother-in-law <laughs> of all things. And I'm not here to, to, to promote missionary dating. Like, just like, just be honest, right? Like when you date with a purpose like that, like that's just like a bad scene, okay? My sister didn't do that. She was like, listen, I'm not gonna date you unless you follow Jesus. But to be vulnerable and actually live out your conviction is probably the greatest call to action that anybody can ever see. And many of us don't live with that kind of passion. And we wonder where Jesus is and if he's real. And Jesus is saying, I just want you to try it. Would you be somebody who makes a conviction, takes, takes a decision that brings them to a conviction to say, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus with everything I've got. And when you do that, you invite other people along in the journey with you and they get to see what Jesus is all about. You see, there's something that's, that's interesting about this story is that God blesses the blessable. Now, I'm not here to give you a health and wealth theology tonight. Like, I'm not like, all right, so like, just be faithful and God's gonna give you, you know, uh, a, a perfect like Instagram lifestyle, right? And he's gonna give you the, the big house and you're gonna have the veneer teeth and you're gonna have everything you want. If you're just, if you're just good, he's gonna bless you, right? That's not what I'm speaking towards. Because Daniel and his friends, they were blessable, and yet their life uh, was still very difficult. Like, they never went back to Jerusalem. They were blessed where they were. But you do find that God does bless them. Look with me in Daniel, 17 verse, uh, Daniel 1, verse 17 and 18. This is what it says. It says, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. And at the end of the time, the king had said to present them. The, king, the chief eunuch presented them to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. God blesses them, and he blesses them with health. He blesses them with favor, and he gives them the ability to understand literature and wisdom. And Daniel's even given the ability to understand dreams. And the reason why God blesses them is because they put themselves in a position where they are blessable. They say, God, we want to follow you with everything that we have. 
And as I was preparing for this message, I, I just kept coming over and over again to a passage in the scriptures in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Um, it says this, it says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. We just rest in that verse for just a moment. It says the eyes of the Lord, that means that God looks out throughout the earth looking to show himself strong. God wants to show himself to be strong. Man, think about that for a minute. God does not want to hide himself. God wants to reveal himself to the world and he wants to show himself to be good. He wants to show himself to be strong. And then the scriptures say he wants to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. So the question I've been asking myself all week, and I want to ask you, is are we wholly devoted to God? Are we wholly devoted to God? You know, sometimes we may struggle to be authentic with our faith because we're afraid of what other people think about us. And so we'll not be wholeheartedly devoted to God. We, we will play the Christian at Kairos or at church or in places and we'll act like, like for Jesus, we'll raise our hands and we'll sing. But then when we get right into the, the middle of our friend groups and someone tells an off-color joke, we laugh along with it. Or when somebody challenges our belief system about what it means to follow Jesus, we just kind of like hope that somebody else will answer it. We just kind of act like we don't know or we didn't hear that. We're like, what? We just kind of like ignore it. And yet God desires to raise up for himself people that are fully committed to him, that love him with everything they have. And so the question I have for you is, is that you? Is that me? The answer is, it for me, is most days, some days. But some days I'm so busy trying to just go through life that I, I'm not fully committed to the Lord. And so it's important for us to say, God, I want to be the kind of person that looks like you so that others can experience you, that others can ex have a test drive into how good you really are and what you want to do in me. Now, I love, I love what Chick-fil-A is doing. I think all of us love the Christian chicken, right? Amen. Man, it's so good, right? And what I love about them is that, is that they have made a decision that, that you can't have Chick-fil-A on Sundays, which is like the worst thing on Sunday after church. You're just like, I just went to church. I want like some Chick-fil-A. And you show up and it's just like empty. And, and, and what they're doing in many ways is they're just saying, listen, our priorities are God's priorities and we're gonna be wholeheartedly after him. And so one of the ways that we want to do this is by saying on Sunday mornings, we're gonna serve God more than we're gonna serve money. And you would think, right, that that, that, that would hurt their business model, right? That everybody else would just like, blow them out of the water in profits. But guess what? Chick-fil-A is the only place that has a line around the corner that you have to wait through, right? They're the only ones expanding their drive-throughs. It's like you got double lanes 
And they overcome like boycotts and people like talking bad about their, their fries and all that kind of stuff. But we all know the reason why Chick-fil-A is so good is not because they'll say uh, to you, uh, it's my pleasure and they have great customer service. And it's not because of their fries or their chicken. It's their culture. They have a culture who they have built around Jesus. And I wouldn't, if I wasn't, um, I wouldn't be admiss to say this, to say, what would it look like if we had that same, same commitment to who Jesus wants us to be? There's a lot of us who are chasing acceptance. But the key to living out the Christian life is an identity fully rooted in Jesus Christ. And you can't fake it by simply trying hard enough to get God's favor. So tonight, the decision we have to make is simply to say, Jesus, am I fully yours? My identity is found in you. Because this is what God has said over you. He said, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And when you hold fast to that, when you're unshakable in that commitment, God can do something powerful in you. So hold fast and hold tight to it tonight. Usually tonight, uh, usually when we close out, we, we take this time that we call 120 seconds, which is simply a moment where we just press pause on the busyness of our life and we, we rest in this question. And here's the question I want us to walk away with. It's something we've been talking about tonight. Is are you wholeheartedly devoted to God? You know, some of us may be able to say, yes, I am. Others may say, you know, I want to be. So others in this room, like we may have never, ever even thought about it. And if that's you, man, I'm fired up that you're here. But the step that you need to take is simply to say, God, would you give me an opportunity to step towards this? To step towards saying, God, I am all in and following you. And if you do, God's going to meet you and radically change your life. So let's pray as we enter this time of just, just reflection. 120 seconds to be still and alone before the Lord. And as you do, just carve out space where you are. We don't need to be in a hurry. We simply want to create space for God's spirit to speak over you, to say, God, I am available. I'm here. I'm listening. For some, saying, God, my heart is fully yours, it may mean that you're going to take a scary step to say, Jesus, I don't know what it takes, but I want to follow you. I'm going to follow you by trusting you with my life or getting baptized or just talking about my faith with a friend. For some of you, it simply means that you're going to make a decision to say, whatever it takes, I want to follow Jesus. And for others, for the first time, you might say, I just want to test drive what it means to follow God. And if that's you tonight, there's nothing more that we would want to do than to talk to you about it. After the service, there are going to be some people up front here. If that's you, please come up and just say hi. We won't hassle you. We won't pressure you. We simply want to know who you are and pray for you.
But right now, let me begin this moment by praying that God would draw you to himself, draw you into who he wants you to be. Jesus, more than anything else, we want to know you. Jesus, many of us are coming carrying heavy burdens. And we're, we're thinking about work and relationships. We're thinking about the conflict that we're facing when we leave this place. And we're feeling really alone. But Jesus, you're calling us to more. So Jesus, would you draw us to yourself and will we be able to say, yes, Lord. I want to be fully committed to you. Yes, Lord. Whatever the question is, my answer is yes.